Hey moms, was your dinner last night the leftover chicken nuggets from your kid's tray? Is your definition of self-care getting to close the door when you pee? If the only chance that you get for exercise are the squats that you do to pick up your kid's Legos, well then take a seat, mama. You're in the right place. I'm Corinne Crosley, psychotherapist, self-care enthusiast, and seriously imperfect mom of two kiddos. This is Mama Bites. Well, hello, mamas. Welcome back to the Mama Bites podcast. So glad to have you back. Glad that you tuned in for this interview with Emily Silver, who is the co-owner and co-creator of Boston Naps. And we'll talk a little bit about Boston Naps, what they do. And Emily's going to take us through uh, what a night nurse does. I don't know about you, but I had never actually heard of a night nurse um, until actually I was uh, out of the baby realm and I couldn't use a night nurse anymore. <laughs> but once I found out, I thought, oh my God, I wish I knew about this. Um, before we launch into the interview with Emily, just a couple of things. Uh, continuing to get excited and get ready for the publishing of the Self-Care for New Moms book coming out August 4th. In addition to having a pre-sale button up soon, you can actually go to the Mama Bites website now if you're enjoying the podcast and if you'd like to support us, uh, you can make a donation either to our GoFundMe page or to uh, the Patreon page. Um, and for a $50 donation, uh, not only will you be helping to support the podcast, but also you will get a copy of the Self-Care for New Moms book when it comes out. And uh, as long as you're comfortable with me using your name on the air, I would like to say a hearty thanks on the air uh, with your support. And so if you could let me know if that's okay when you make your pledge. Also, another way to support the podcast is just to rate and review it. Um, that really does change everything in terms of Apple and helping other moms find our podcast and help support other moms in their self-care journey. So that all said, let's talk a little bit about Emily Silver and Boston Naps. So not only is Boston Naps a night nurse organization company where um, every every provider who comes to your house from their organization is a nurse, um, but also they provide lactation consultants, um, bottle consults, which uh, is pretty amazing. We talked a little bit about that, sleep consults. And then they also have in-studio classes, birthing classes, parenting classes, baby and me classes, children's classes. They really are this one-stop connection for moms to make good connections, not only with great providers, but also with each other. So I hope you really enjoy this interview with Emily. She's quite lovely. Uh, you can follow her on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. You follow Naps um, on that. All of those things uh, are on the show notes on the Mumba Bites website. Lastly, before I run off, I have hugely enjoyed this postpartum journey with all of the experts who have helped me out and talked to me uh, during 
this writing of the postpartum for um, self-care for the postpartum year book. Um, if you're a longtime listener and you're kind of wondering and want to get back to the roots of intuitive eating, body image, and um, those elements of self-care and are sort of hungering for that, stay tuned. We got more coming. We got interviews with Anna Guest Jelly. We got interviews with Marcy Evans. We have so many great interviews coming up. I'm so excited. I think you guys are going to love them. So um, stay tuned and uh, we'll catch you soon. Well, thank you so much, Emily, for being on the Mama Bites podcast. I'm so excited that you're here and you're even fighting through like a flu to be talking with us. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you and I'm so excited about your book that you're writing and just happy to be able to contribute to it. Oh, thank you. Yes, this is this is something that as I was just saying to you before I pressed record that I really know so little about. So I am so excited to learn about Boston Naps and sort of how they came to be and what you can offer new moms, second time moms, you know, all of the moms. <laughs> Sure. So can you tell us a little bit about Boston Naps and how it got started? Absolutely. So I own Boston Naps with another um, nurse, Jamie O'Day. And we actually met back in like over 10 years ago working on labor and delivery. Um, We worked on a labor and delivery unit in Boston and we became really good friends And that's sort of where we got our idea to actually open the company simply from just taking care of patients who sort of would have their baby and then look to us after having gone through such an intimate experience together where we built like a really close relationship and trust. And then they would turn to us and say, and now what? Yeah. (laughs) When are you coming home? (laughs) Um, Right. And so I actually remember walking out of the hospital with my own baby with the car seat and my husband looked at me and said, nobody's following us. (laughs) And I said, I know. And he's like, isn't anybody going to like make sure that we get home? Okay. I'm like, Nope, Nope. this is our baby. We're going home. Um, so you know, in all, in all fairness, we started to kind of evaluate and say, well, gosh, what are people doing when they go home? Who, you know, we hadn't had kids yet. We said, who, who, um, who is helping people? Um, and prior to moving to Boston, I actually went to high school in Belgium, and my parents lived in Germany for a little bit, so I've been abroad quite a bit and been able to see other models of care, and it really got me thinking, Mm. you know, what are we doing for people in the United States and in Boston? And to be honest, people sort of started asking for our phone number and, you know, can we come home with them? And that's sort of where we were like, well, let's actually do it. Mm -hmm. Um, When we first opened the company, we really were just doing daytime and overnight care, and then we sort of started introducing prenatal education. We both love, we're both educators. We are very passionate about teaching. Jamie has taught for Northeastern, um, the undergrad nursing students, and I have taught for Boston College for many years, those maternity clinicals and those young nurses. We just, we love teaching. Mm. And so that sort of became intertwined into the business. Mm. And then everything really changed when we had kids. So Mm -hmm. Jamie has a four-year-old and almost three-year-old and a 10-month-old, and then I have a four-year-old and a a two-and-a-half-year-old. And so when we went on to have our own kids, we actually 
found out that we loved breastfeeding. Well, <laughs> it's a love-hate relationship, which we can right. talk about. But yeah. we became, we both are now international board-certified lactation consultants. Awesome. And then Jamie is a registered nurse, and I went on to get my family nurse practitioner license. So things sort of evolved as our careers grew and as our families grew. Wow. So to date, we consider... Boston Apps to be the leading provider in the region for prenatal and postnatal services. Yeah. So our services sort of begin when you become pregnant, whether you're taking classes with us or fitness workshops, building community when you're pregnant and sort of meeting other moms who are due around the same date as you. And then after delivery, we provide daytime and overnight nursing care for those who have brought their baby home. We do in-home lactation consultations, sort of one-on-one to help women with breastfeeding, pumping, introducing a bottle, and then we have some sleep consulting services done by a pediatric nurse practitioner, and then some, like, new mom support groups, breastfeeding support groups. I mean, to, like, add even more on to what we were already (laughs) doing about two years ago, we opened a brick and mortar in South Boston, and so that's sort of like our landing pad, so a lot of things can be done in your home. But we do have a studio in South Boston, and we rent some space in Charlestown. So we actually have, like, moms and babies coming into the studio, pregnant women coming into the studio, and we have some children's classes as well for that those early, um, that early childhood, like, toddler age. So there's a lot happening. Wow. wow. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of different services, but the idea is that, we're really, truly just trying to build community and have yeah. a, having you find your people mm-hmm. when you're pregnant or mm-hmm. your people right when you deliver who can help you, mm. whether it's us or a nurse from our team or another mom that you met in a class, sort of like helping you build that tribe because we don't really have that anymore. No, no. So you are bringing Hence back why the you're village. writing this book. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> wow what a beautiful model holy moly that's amazing thank you (laughs) i'm just a little speechless um and it sounds like it it really started with this nugget of of really seeing in the eyes of moms like when are you coming home because i have no idea what to do here and supporting them in their homes and then it just built into creating um, so much more than that, and but but at that nugget of that initial support, where where we're feeling most vulnerable most of the time. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest thing that we've really noticed, especially in the last few years, in helping moms, is that we truly spend a great deal of time preparing for pregnancy mm-hmm. um, and delivery. Right. So, like when we become pregnant. We make our baby registries and we're asking everybody, which which swaddle blankets did you register for? Which diaper pail should I get? Which stroller should I get? <laughs> and and I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that. That sure, is very yeah. important and it's yeah. fun. Yeah. But we spend a lot of time on that. And then we spend a lot of time educating ourselves and preparing for labor, which mm-hmm. also is really important. Mm-hmm. But we don't spend any time preparing for motherhood or just parenting, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And so in the whole journey or the whole picture of everything, the pregnancy and and then the actual labor and delivery of your baby is is a very, um, it's like a blip in in the road. And then we enter into motherhood and parenting and that's, it's a very long journey Mm -hmm. and people are left feeling very underprepared and overwhelmed and alone. Mm, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. 
And I think we're, um, you know, it's, I'm so glad to be talking with you. And actually so many of the experts I've talked to have said this over and over that um, we're doing a really good job of preparing for a finite event, which is birth. <laughs> right. And, and we're, we're not really um, creating these opportunities for moms also to prepare for motherhood and and I might even sort of say like ongoing support like I could really I would love a group for parents of seven-year-olds <laughs> at this point <laughs> yeah um because it does keep going and we could always use some support um and so it's really interesting to hear that I I definitely tend on the anxious side and so I'm oh I'm a I'm a researcher I'm a, I prepare and prepare and prepare and so I went to the newborn classes <laughs> and I still felt yeah. like I was in over my head. And I say to my, um, I don't say it to my daughter, but I, I do often say like the day she was born, one of the best days of my life. The day I brought her home, one of the scariest <laughs> days of my life because it Holy. was so scary that day. Um, and then several days after as well. And so I think you're totally right. And I, I hear you and all my experts sort of saying like, we're just not preparing people for how how challenging and and all of the weird stuff they do too, right? All that newborns right. do. <laughs> well, it's funny because we keep we continue to have this discussion, Jamie and I, and we're sort of feel like as owners of this company and as mothers that it it is our job to prepare to prepare people, but it's almost like how do we do that without making people feel sort of like scared or right. fearing the unknown. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, when you become pregnant, you sort of, if you talk to another mother, I feel like the common thing that they say to you is, oh, like just you wait and see or not helpful. Um, you'll never sleep again. <laughs> yeah, no, nope, not helpful. Sort of like these like dreading comments. No. And it's like, well, actually just tell me. Like yeah. tell me what it's going to be like. Yeah. Tell me, <clears throat> tell me that it's going to be hard. Tell me that I'm going to need help breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. Tell me that I'm going to need family or friends or helpers to come in and help with sleep, right? Mm -hmm. Actually, t tell me that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that when it happens, I don't think that there's something wrong with me right. or I don't think that I'm a failure or I don't feel weak or vulnerable when I have to ask for help, right? Right, right. Or that nobody else so, has to, right? Nobody else is asking right. for help. Nobody, you know, well, everybody else is everybody running. Everybody is. Yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> In fact, if, if you meet someone who tells you that they don't need help or that they're doing it all and they're, they're completely on their own, I, I, I joke about this with my moms and my groups. I'm like, they're either lying they're lying to you mm -hmm. or they're lying to themselves. Right. Like they're actually just, that's not true. Right. Right. <laughs> everybody needs help. So. Um, one of our biggest services that we do is pre-baby boot camp Ooh. and it's sort of evolved over the years in that we now hold up to 50 couples that are expecting a baby wow. and we bring these couples in for the day and they get, you know, breakfast and a catered lunch and we go out through all their childbirth preparation. And then in the afternoon we do all the baby care, breastfeeding, bottles, swaddling, sleep, sort of like a, it's a boot camp for bringing yeah. your baby home. Yeah. Um, but part of what makes it so different is that we are providing content, you know, evidence-based content that you need to know, similar to hospitals, right, for, for caring for your baby and for your pregnancy. But the content includes things that, that 
your doctor isn't going to tell you or your friends aren't going to tell you. Hmm. And so it's not that they won't, right? It's that your doc, when you see your doctor, they're going to let you know when should you call, what are warning signs, mm-hmm. um, how's your baby doing, how's your pregnancy going, and your your friends are sort of <clears throat> either in it or they're, they're past it and they forget. So mm-hmm. part of the content is meant to include you know, the realities of what it's going to feel like to bring your baby home and how mm. you do need to ask for help and mm-hmm. what aspects do feel a little bit hard and that's okay and mm-hmm. how to know when to call a lactation consultant over, how to know when to have your partner take over a feed at night so you can sleep. Mm-hmm. So we're sort of trying to like introduce these concepts, right, to prepare you for parenting and motherhood, mm-hmm. not in a scary way, but in a realistic way so that it doesn't feel like the whole world is like kind of com- coming down on you, right? When it, mm-hmm. when it's not working mm-hmm. to your advantage, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Oh, I'm so glad you're doing that. Yeah, for sure. That's wonderful. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, I would have loved that. I sort of did that in pieces and yet, and still, you know, and, and still <laughs> just yeah, just can't <laughs> prepare for how it feels. The one thing I really wish I knew about was having a night nurse. <laughs> Can you talk to us about, <laughs> um, so your, your website is really specific that it says you only staff nurses for your daytime and overnight Correct. care for newborns. Yeah. And, you know, can you tell us what these nurses are doing and, and how it works and how long they stay? Can you just take us through it and how they differ from other providers? Absolutely. So, you know, one thing that was important to Jamie and I when we opened the company and still is to this day is that the care that we provide to our clients is always from a registered nurse at minimum. Mm. So our entire team is registered nurses. However, we do also have nurses who are in school gaining their nurse practitioner degree, or they are a nurse practitioner, or they're a board certified lactation consultant, or a childbirth educator, so they have these sort of other certificates or degrees. Mm -hmm. The reason that that was important for us is that the care that we want to provide, we want it to be very streamlined, consistent, and evidence-based. Okay. So I think that when you become pregnant and people, you know, reading your book or listening to your podcast who, you know, they're either pregnant or they've had a baby and they can attest to the fact that you receive a lot of advice. And a lot of it's unsolicited, actually. Yes. <laughs> some of it's solicited, some of it's not. And what happens is, is the advice is very conflicting. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes it different. Mm-hmm. And so the, the care that our nurses provide is very consistent in that if you ask them a question or you are struggling with breastfeeding or struggling with sleep, you are going to get not only an up-to-date answer based on like the American Academy of Pediatrics and what the current standards of practice are within the hospitals and with moms and babies. But you are going to get this sort of consistent answer across the board in terms of how we practice at Boston Naps in terms of like feeding and sleep, just just so people don't feel like they're getting, you know, varying answers. And you've had babies, right? So I'm sure you remember being in the hospital and you could even have a nurse come into your room on one shift and, and give you a piece of advice or offer you information. Oh, and yeah. then the shift changes over and another nurse comes in and says, well, no, that I don't do it that way. Do it this way. Yeah, yeah. And I have patients tell me pediatricians will do that as well. Yeah. And again, it doesn't make it, it, doesn't wrong. Make it wrong. Yeah. It just 
is sort of like you need actually just a sounding board. Yeah. Um, and so I really do feel confident that our nurses will give you that quality information. And then it's just this piece of professionalism because they're a registered nurse. They are coming into your home. They're wearing scrubs. They're wearing a uniform. Mm. They are actively practicing with moms and babies mm. outside of Boston Apps where they have that experience. Mm-hmm. And so people feel this level of comfort when they get that professionalism because when you bring a baby home for the first time, there's so little. You have so many questions. Mm-hmm. And, you, and as a mom, it's really hard to actually fall asleep when someone gives you the gift of sleep. Yeah. And there yes. is this piece of security and trust when you know that you have this high quality, you know, person in your home mm-hmm. that is going to be awake for the night with your baby and knows exactly what to anticipate for their needs. And they actually can finally lay down and, you know, shut that that brain off of all your thoughts and take, mm. and take a good and take a good stretch of sleep. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> wow. Uh, yeah. So when they're there, they, they help with our moms and our babies, whether it's a one baby or twins, oh, twins. anything <laughs> regards to feeding, yeah. anything regards to postpartum care for mom, mm. anything with sleep questions, bottles, pumping, pump parts, whatever they need during the day or overnight, the nurses are sort of just, transitioning that care from the hospital right into your home. Mm, Wow. What a dream. That's amazing. (laughs) Now, how long do the nurses usually... I know what you're thinking. You're like, what the heck? (laughs) What's that? (laughs) You're thinking, what the heck? Where were these nurses when I had my babies? (laughs) You know what I'm thinking is I'm thinking about how many things are in play with the baby blues and with postpartum depression and anxiety and PMATs and just, and, and there's so many things in play. It's not just like, Oh, if I can just get better sleep, but (laughs) if you can just get some better sleep, you know, it, it just, um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. (laughs) That's all. So, and it, and it really is. So, you know, I know online that it says like recent studies show that one in seven women, have postpartum depression, I mm-hmm. think it is. Mm-hmm. Postpartum but, disorders, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I would argue that if you talk to any practitioner in Boston, we would all argue that it's got to be more like one in four. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and postpartum depression is, it's so encompassing, right? You yeah. can have anxiety, you mm-hmm. can feel sad, you can have these highs and these lows. Mm-hmm. And we know that, we know that a lot of women just experience postpartum sort of like these mood, mood shifts, mood mm-hmm. disorders when mm-hmm. you have a baby. Mm-hmm. And you go through this labor where you, you know, it's a physically, it's physically exhausting on the body, whether it's a vaginal delivery or a C-section, mm-hmm. it's a major change for your body, a shift in all of your hormones. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, on top of that, we're sort of giving you fragmented sleep because mm-hmm. you're up every two hours feeding a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you don't really get that, that deep sleep or that recovery that your body needs. Right. And so... And I'd be interested to sort of know more about sort of in your in your time and your studies of, of you know, writing this book. Mm-hmm. Um, but that we see that if we give women, and this is supported by research, if we give women sleep, mm-hmm. right, for a night, two nights, three nights in a row, mm-hmm. we usually are able to correct their symptoms. Mm-hmm. So we'll have a lot of obstetricians in Boston or sometimes pediatricians reach out to us and say, this mom's really teetering on the edge. Mm -hmm. She hasn't slept in weeks. She's really having these highs and these lows. Mm -hmm. And so part of 
because we are a medical company and all of our patients sort of become a, a patient to us, mm-hmm. we're able to give them sleep and make that plan overnight. Whether they're breastfeeding or not, we're going to send nurses in mm-hmm. so they can get that sleep several nights in a row. Plus, we're getting them into therapy. We have a, a very strong list of women's health practitioners in Boston that we refer our patients to. Mm-hmm. Plus, we're talking to their OB to make mm-hmm. sure that if they need medication, they're on the right medication, and we're letting their pediatrician know what's going on on the home front in mm-hmm. terms of, like, how this mom is feeling. Mm-hmm. So it is really encompassing, and I truly, truly believe that if we can give women this sleep and that and that break, that we see such a huge impact in their mental health. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the book starts with um, talking about... Um, just sort of like the very foundations of self-care, you know, just basic nourishment, you know, you need to, right. you need to eat, you need to sleep, you need to hydrate and you need to like interact with a person. <laughs> and um, when one of those falls away, it's, you know, what I, when I give people sort of like my pep talk, you know, when someone's coming in and they're kind of in an acute space, those are sort of the bullet points I hit with people and say, like, if this isn't happening, even if everything else is going okay, this just makes everything so much worse. And so if you can get people's sleep restored, even for a short time, I do think that even if it doesn't, you know, it doesn't cure everything, it definitely takes that pressure off of how um, Absolutely. people can... I firmly believe that mothers who have had a baby should be treated just like a newborn. Mm-hmm. We Mothers and babies, both in a postpartum period, need support, they need care, they need food, they need sleep. Mm-hmm. We're the same mm-hmm. as babies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> both healing. And so, mm-hmm. and, and, there's, and you see there's so many companies and people out there who are passionate about mothers and babies providing care and you have family, you have friends that you can turn to, it doesn't, it does not matter where you, where you get that help. And it likely needs to be a, a combination of many things. Mm-hmm. So we teach our families how parents should split the night up, right? Mm-hmm. So like mom, mm-hmm. do a feed and go to bed. And then like a dad or a partner does the next feed. Mm-hmm. And we teach them how to split the night up so they both get like a solid block of sleep. Yeah. We teach women how to ask for help and mm-hmm. how to accept help mm-hmm. because we don't ask for help. Nope. Nope. No. No. We're super women. We <laughs> so it's actually like a learned behavior. We yeah. need to teach people how to ask for it how to ask for it often and how to accept it. Beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Because when you're in crisis is not the moment that we're actually good at asking for help. Then we're digging in and saying like, never mind or whatever, unless we're really just totally <laughs> falling to pieces. Right. Yeah. So I'm so glad well, that you're so much easier to ask for help earlier than when we're in crisis. Right. Um, a great, like book that I love is called Do Less. It's by Kate Northrup. And so she talks about how we should ask for help early, Mm -hmm. often, Mm -hmm. and, you know, kindly, politely. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in our mom survival guide art, which is our six week series for moms who are on maternity leave, Mm -hmm. whether you had first baby, second baby, third baby, anybody can come to those. We, We really do talk to moms about how they need to 
anticipate their needs and ask for help early yeah. <laughs> before they're in crisis. Yeah. And just because you ask for help one time, that doesn't stop there. <laughs> no. Now it needs to be often, yeah. right? So it, it needs to be more than more than once a week, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously asking nicely is helpful too. So yes. a huge thing that we have our moms do in our groups is we, we tell them when they're on maternity leave, when they wake up in the morning, they're going to say out loud one thing that they're going to do for the day, one thing that they're not going to do, Ooh. and one thing that they're going to ask for help with. And it doesn't have to be big, right? So you can wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to take a walk with my baby Mm -hmm. outside and get a coffee. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to fold the laundry that's sitting in the dryer. Uh And I'm going to ask my husband to pick up dinner on the way home from work tonight. That is so great. I'm gonna like it doesn't have to be big. Yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna steal that for people not in the postpartum era. <laughs> I know, right? But a lot of this comes from this. I I'm a, I love this book. Do less. Do so less. Some, you know, a lot of this comes from there. I have to give Kate Northrup a lot of credit for yeah. paving the way of these ideas. Yes. Um, but I but really like Jamie and I are constantly in conversation of just how do we get to this place, right, where we have babies and we're working and where we feel like we shouldn't have help. I, I don't know yeah. why. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> why? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm learning a lot about that. You know, it's there's I think it's very there's a there's a lot of different layers to it and it's very interconnected. And I think and there are I have since learned that there are entire books written on that. Um, um, I recommend Amy Westervelt's book about um how how America messed up motherhood um is that what what's it called (laughs) I'm trying to remember the title and uh, it looks like her book's called forget having it all forget having it all that's what it is that's what it is yes Ooh, thanks for giving me my next read yes It's so great. And she takes it from a lot of different angles. And um, some, you know, I think books like that, that like really research it sometimes are like, this is how it happened. And it sucks. And there's no sort of like, and this is how we change it. But she offers this is how we change it, which is really great. I mean, my big secret to any moms who are listening or reading your book is that I don't actually read because if I get in bed at the end of the night and try to read a book, I will fall asleep. I listen to books when I'm driving. Yes. Um, and so anytime I'm in my car, I am, I'm listening to something. Yes. So I'm actually listening to You Are a Fucking Awesome Mom right now oh. by Leslie and Bruce. Okay. <laughs> Another great read. Excellent. Excellent. I love this. Yeah. I mean, in the spirit of like thinking about tribes, right? right. And like how you need your people around you, which is, I know it's so much of what you're researching mm-hmm. is that she sort of talks about in her book, how back before women were working and when we stayed at home, we were home, our moms were around, our neighbors were around, we were surrounded by women and other families on the block, Mm -hmm. sort of like showing us how, paving the way, right? Showing us how to do things and like providing us with help when we needed it. And if you compared yourself to other women, you were just comparing yourself to the other 10 women that lived on your block. Right. Versus now we're working and we have social media sort of thrown in our face. Yep. We're comparing ourselves to like thousands of women now, um, and we are having these short maternity leaves, like twelve to sixteen weeks, and then we're going back to work, and yeah. we are 
trying to do everything. And somehow that translated into not asking for help and thinking that we're supposed to be doing it all. Yeah. So I think that that's just another like really awesome read and great conversation that is started about how like you don't have to be doing it all and you shouldn't be and that we sort of like did this to ourselves and that we need to change things now so we can show our daughters how to be able to like raise a family and work and and show them and model that we need help and that comes from asking help from our partners and from our family and from our friends or outsourcing help if we live in urban areas and our family isn't around, mm-hmm. which is why you're seeing all these companies that exist like ours mm-hmm. um, and doulas and night nurses and all the way to Instacart and meal delivery yep, and yep. laundry services. <laughs> yep, yep, absolutely. So, That's your village yeah. sometimes, you know? I mean, that's yeah. you got to be creative now, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's a great, that's another Anyway, thing. I'm going on tantrums. That's I'll so, let you ask me your question. That's okay. <laughs> I can't now, help myself. I know, I know. And that's, yeah, I'm not going to be a help with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, how, ta- how long do the nurses tend to stay? Not only like a shift, but also like, how long do people tend to employ them coming into the, into the, um, into their homes? That's a great question. So our model not only is that we just have these, you know, registered nurses providing care, but part of our model is that we try to keep scheduling flexible and easy because we do understand that every family needs something different. Mm -hmm. So we actually don't have a rule in terms of how long people need to use us for or how many times they need to use us. We've had people do this once as like a gift to themselves Mm -hmm. or had families give this as a gift. Mm -hmm. But I would say that the common theme and what the majority of our families do is that they use us for 12 to 16 weeks. Okay. And so what happens is, is likely families use us very heavily in the first one to two weeks home, Mm -hmm. meaning they have a nurse anywhere from three to seven nights a week. Mm -hmm. And then as we move further out, getting into that six to 12 week zone, they taper down to maybe two or three nights a week. Mm -hmm. And then we get them down to one or two nights a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the reason is, is that Jamie and I are very invested in feeding and sleep plans with our families. So the longer you stick with us, the more we are able to teach you mm-hmm. of how to get longer stretches of sleep at night and how to get a better sleeper when we get into that zone of, let's call it six to 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. So we wouldn't be doing people a service if a nurse showed up you know, twice a week and like took your baby and sent you off to go have this blissful sleep. And they did all these magical fairy like things with your baby overnight to Mm -hmm. get them to stretch their, you know, stretch their sleep and and, sorry, stretch their feed and have longer periods of sleep. Mm -hmm. So part of what our clients pay for is check-ins with Jamie and I, Mm -hmm. and we do phone calls with our mom, text messages with our moms. We're constantly talking to them about feeding and sleep And the longer they're with us, we get both partners on the phone. We're teaching them what to do on the nights that our nurses aren't there. Mm. That way, between 12 and 16 weeks, we have our babies hopefully just eating once overnight or maybe almost sleeping through the night. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that the best answer to your question is it's like this tapering system over that first, you know, 12 to 16 weeks home. That's so smart. That's so great. I mean, hopefully you don't need night help at, at 16 weeks. Yeah. Hopefully you've done a really good job and we have these babies, you know, on a really nice 
you know, a nice schedule and a nice sleep routine for you. Mm. That would be great for sure. My goodness. And every baby is different. So and it's, different. It's very normal and it's very reasonable for babies, newborns to eat overnight. So we're not trying to force anything or sleep train babies, but there are really, um, there are really great things that you can do with a baby in terms of like getting more calories in during the day mm-hmm. and being more mindful overnight, um, little like tips and tricks that we can give you to help sort of make, make things stretch and get in the right direction. Mm. Wow. Very cool. Well, and you mentioned this in passing, but um, this still sounds like the ultimate gift. In fact, um, you know, like you can pick up a car seat. <laughs> like if people could, <laughs> if this could be Here's a registry. a genie that isn't going to smell right. the other one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and how, how do people give this as a gift or, or donate this to someone? So we have, we actually do have like, Give this to their family members, or we've had charitable donations for families who need this. Um, but what we do, we sell gift cards on our website. So okay. often, family members will purchase a gift card and then they give it, you know, as that baby shower gift or when their family has had the baby. Mm-hmm. And then that family can sort of spread it out or use it as they like. They can use it for an in home lactation visit, they can use it for a mom support group, they can use it for several weeks of night care once a week if they'd like. Mm. And we help them, you know, figure out how to put that to their best use. Mm. Um, And then, you know, we also have had families um, just sort of set up billing through us and they say, I want to do this for my family member. And so let, you know, they can do it as long as they want and how often they'd like and just sort of send us the invoices so Mm. they can let you know what they need and we'll just sort of handle, handle that piece of the, um, piece of the puzzle for mm. them to take that weight off of them. Wow. That's very nice. I think this is the best gift card that you can give anybody because no question. <laughs> you really can use it for our pre-baby boot camp. You can use it for a phone call with Jamie and I, we do 30 minute phone calls with women all the time That's cool. on pumping and going back to work my supply is low. I'm struggling. I feel like I can't do it all. I'm so exhausted. I'm trying to, you know, balance all these balls. We can do any kind of call with people. Mm. Um, and so, and then we have webinars too. Like today at 12 o'clock, we have a webinar on how to stop breastfeeding. Mm. So we're talking, we're spending an hour, like a class with women, just talking about how to wean breastfeeding and pumping. Mm-hmm. It's an example of like, we spent all this time learning how to breastfeed and trying to pump and go back to work and nobody actually tells you how to stop. Right, right. Or, or even again, similarly to what you were saying about sort of all the preparation we do for birth and et cetera, but you know, there's there's so little education out there about weaning. And um, actually, I, right. I interviewed um, Diane Cassidy, who um, is one half of the duo um, from the podcast, the Badass Breastfeeder <laughs> podcast. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, and when I interviewed her, they had just done uh, an episode on weaning depression and how that can come okay. up. And that, that nobody talks about that, you know, and just sort of 
helping people understand yeah. that they're, sh- you know, we're, we're shifting your hormones and right. that's to be expected. And how long might we expect that to run? And when do you right. need to seek out support for that? And, and there's just, yeah, I feel like, okay, you're going breastfeeding, everything's fine. And just, you know, and when right. you stop and, and not to mention like all of the different things that can happen, how not to get a blocked duct and how not to, you know, all of the things. So I'm so glad you're doing that. And I actually think that segues really nicely into, um, um, something that I saw that I just felt was so cool on your website and, and was so much different and really, um, that living the message behind fed is best. Um, cause I feel like so often we say fed is best, fed is best, but I, I really don't feel like people offer that kind of support to really, you know, it like actually illustrate that. And I thought it was so cool when I saw that you, in addition to lactation consultant, you also do bottle feeding consultations. (laughs) What an idea. (laughs) Um, so can you tell us about that? Here's the deal. So we're both board-certified lactation consultants. We love breastfeeding. We breastfed our babies. But our babies also got pumped breast milk. They also got formula. We use pacifiers. We let our husbands do feeds. Um, The reality is we would love for – we love when women breastfeed and we want to help them and support them. But we also love when women say to us, that's not working for me and this this, you know, bottle feeding is actually better for me, right? So part of our job as nurses and mothers is to go into the home for a consultation. And as we get to know that patient, decide what's right for them and their family. Mm -hmm. And whatever that is going to be, we are going to support that 100%. Mm. So if I am sitting with a mother and she is beside herself in tears and hates breastfeeding, Mm -hmm. I am happy to tell her to stop. Yeah. At, versus if I have a mom who just is, really wants to do it and she, we're going to try everything. Yeah. Um, but in terms of our consultations, we do have the in-home lactation consultation versus the bottle consultation. Mm-hmm. So an in-home la- lactation consultation is very more encompassing than just a breastfeeding visit. Mm-hmm. We're coming in, we are weighing your baby, we're doing a breastfeeding session with you, we're determining if your milk is in, making sure you have a deep latch and that you're not having pain. We do weigh the baby after the feed to see how much milk they transfer, Mm -hmm. but it's more. We take it a step further, and then we say, I'm going to take your pump out of the box. I want to show you how to use it. I want to make sure it fits. I'm going to show you how to clean it. And then we bring the partner in the room or the family that's there and say, these are examples of when mom is going to pump and when you would give a bottle. Okay, and this is what you're going to do at two in the morning when your baby is screaming and you can't get them to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. It's very hands on. So it's breastfeeding, bottle feeding, swaddling. The realities of now that you're home. This is this is what's going to go on. A bottle consultation is actually a little bit different. Those are our visits of our babies who won't take a bottle, actually. So what happens is I know. So what Mm -hmm. happens is we do see a very high volume of babies and women who are doing a wonderful job breastfeeding, 
but they never introduced a bottle. Mm -hmm. And um, what happens is, is we see babies around 8 to 12 weeks of age, Mm -hmm. and moms are actually finally in a place where they would like to introduce a bottle. They're Mm -hmm. thinking about going back to work, or they have an event coming up, and the baby won't take a bottle. And so, I know, and so it's really tough. So then we are now sending in um, certain nurses from our team who um, are working with families on how to teach babies to take a bottle. Mm-hmm. And it can be really rigorous and mm-hmm. it's a daily, um, it's about being consistent mm-hmm. and exposing the baby to the bottle daily, mm-hmm. but it can be really tough. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I have babies that are older, they're more like five or six months of age mm-hmm. and they don't ever take a bottle. We actually refer them to a speech language pathologist mm-hmm. and we usually move them to a cup. Oh, wow. Wow. That's fascinating. So so the moral of this story is that, again, it's all about balance. It's about doing what's best for your family. And we've got to meet in the middle. Yeah. So we usually tell women who are breastfeeding to get really good at breastfeeding and like practice it and make sure your milk is in and get things well established. But if you haven't introduced a bottle by four weeks of age, that's when we tell women and families continue to breastfeed, but you've got to get a bottle somewhere in that routine, you know, three days a week by somebody else, like a partner or a family member. Yeah. That way you're able to breastfeed and be able to have a period of separation from your baby, whether that's to go and get your hair done or yeah. to go sleep or to go back to work. Yeah. So we've got to just meet in the middle. Yeah. Um, and I think that hospitals in our country are baby friendly, which is great. We mm-hmm. want to promote breastfeeding. We want mm-hmm. women to learn how to do it. We want people to room in and learn, learn their baby's cues. Mm -hmm. But on the other end of the pendulum, when I go into people's homes, they're so fearful of introducing a pacifier in a bottle because they're afraid of maybe nipple confusion or whatever they were told at the hospital that they're just not doing that either. Mm -hmm. And then we're seeing these babies who won't. Moms are trying to go back to work and they, their babies will take a bottle. So it's like very stressful. Yes. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So our theme at Boston Naps, and this is in line with the American Academy of Pediatrics, is that you may introduce a pacifier and or a bottle when breastfeeding is well established. For some moms, that's 24 hours. Yeah. For some moms, that's a couple days. Some moms, that's a couple weeks. Yeah. It's different for everybody. There's no rule. So if, if someone threw at you, like, you can't give a pacifier or a bottle to your babies this old or this many months old, like, mm-hmm. I don't know where that's coming from. Yeah. So yeah. I think staying in line with the American Academy of Pediatrics and that when breastfeeding is well established, it's so much better because it's just going to be different for everybody. Yeah. And then, and then that could be a couple days home. So um, that's, again, part of our job coming in on these consultations is saying like, hey, this is going really well. It's okay for you to like get a stretch of sleep tonight and let your husband take over a feed. Yeah. Or, yeah, things are, things are really hard right now. Let's give it a couple more days. Let's work on this. Um, so, so, yeah, those are sort of the difference between those two consultations. Wow, that is so fascinating. And I feel like as I'm listening to this, I'm sort of realizing that this is, if we can really bring women to be asking for and reaching out for help in the way that they need it, this is sort of the synthesis of all because my experience in in two different babies, getting them to take bottles, 
my daughter. It was a dream. It was super easy, but it was a nightmare. She wasn't getting enough. So I had to supplement right away. So we had to do a bottle right away. And I had crazy oversupply. So I was pumping a lot in, in as well as nursing her, but I nursed my son directly who then didn't take a bottle. <laughs> and so, you know, if, if a mom came to me and was asking for advice, I'd be like, oh, I don't know why this is how it worked. But now as you explain all of that, oh, right. <laughs> oh, we did actually establish nursing pretty well, very, very quickly right. with her. And we waited yeah. too long to give him a bottle, even though I thought, I was doing it really early. I mean, eventually he did. I was lucky. We just, we sent him to a daycare that we loved and knew us really well. And he took the bottle (laughs) like it needed to be done. And that's not what I'm saying to do. But I think like, you know, when it's your aunt advising you, she doesn't know why it worked the way it does. You guys know, you understand, you're following all the research. It's all evidence-based and you're bringing the village to women at the same time. Yeah. Thank goodness. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're with moms on on a daily basis. What are you noticing that are sort of the essentials of self care that that moms make mistakes with that that moms struggle with the most? I mean, I think that the term self care is almost becoming so oversaturated that people are missing the point of it, yeah. or they think it means like. I'm going to leave for the day and go like to a spa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be big, but you need to pause in your day and just take these small moments for yourself, whether it's taking like a long hot shower or bath without somebody interrupting you, mm-hmm. whether it's putting a podcast on and listening to it in your room for 10 or 20 minutes, mm-hmm. whether it's handing the baby over to your partner when they walk in the door at night and just going for a walk around the block with your dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I think to answer your question, I think that the first mistake that we make as moms is that we think that self-care is basic human needs. Mm-hmm. Like eating, mm-hmm. <laughs> pumping, right. showering, like yes. that. You know, yeah. I want people to do those, but that doesn't count. Nope, <laughs> no, those are basics. Um, I think that self care can be as simple, and and we use our name Naps, like Boston Naps, to explain this to people. So mm. our N is nutrition. Mm. Is just having. Making sure that someone is preparing well-rounded meals for you, whether they're dropping them off or you're having a food service delivery, making sure that you're not falling apart when it comes to snacks, like making sure that you have things that you can quickly grab and go when you're breastfeeding or pumping Mm -hmm. um, that are like really high in protein and very nutritious for you. Mm -hmm. So making sure that you're taking yourself, taking care of yourself from a nutrition standpoint, that's Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. self-care. Making sure that you're carving out alone time for yourself. Again, it can Mm -hmm. be basic human needs. Mm-hmm. It's got to be like stepping out of the house. It's got to be, um, you know, maybe just like going and taking a bath. Like I said, going mm-hmm. to take a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, so your A is alone time. It's just carving out time for yourself. So the best way to think of this is to do something for yourself that makes you feel the way you felt before you had a baby. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that might be just going to get your hair done, going to get your nails done getting back to that yoga class or if you can't step out of the house like going up to your room and listening to a podcast Mm -hmm. taking that long like bath without somebody interrupting you um and then we use our p is for people 
It's figuring out how, who your people are, mm. which we sort of already touched on, right? That you get yes. all this like overwhelming, conflicting information. So we have our moms make a list. I'm like, write a list of who your people are. Mm. It can be your sister. It can be your doctor. It can be your best friend that you really like with a baby. But that way, if you're offered unsolicited advice, you don't have to process it. Ooh. Yeah. Awesome. Um, And then our last one for self-care is S, sleep. So you don't have to be a martyr. You don't need to be up all night with your baby because you're breastfeeding or because you feel like you're supposed to be doing it all. (laughs) (laughs) You should let your partner help you early and often. And so we talk to our families about splitting the night up. So like once breastfeeding is going well, an example would be like mom breastfeeds, pumps, and goes to bed. Partner gives the bottle at the next feed so mom can sleep. Then the next time the baby needs to feed, mom is doing the feed so partner can sleep. Yeah. Um, and so you need to make a plan while you're pregnant for sleep, whether it's splitting the nights up, whether it's bringing family in, whether it's bringing in night nurses or spreading all of those things out. Nobody can function on fragmented sleep for long. Mm-hmm. So instead of waiting till you're crashing and burning, we are really big believers on like making a plan for that right away. Love that. Awesome. Awesome. And that's directly going into the book. I promise you and credited to you. I promise. <laughs> So I'm going to let you go and breathe for four whole minutes before you go. That's my self-care for the day. That's your self-care for the day, right? Don't spend it all in one place. Maybe close your eyes, get a nap at the same time. Jamie says she can sum it up in one line. Oh, perfect. Don't be a martyr. Ask for help. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's the gist of it. Perfect. We were both martyrs. Yeah. Oh, well, see, (laughs) the best of us, right? You know, the best of us. We do it. We know better. We still do it. That's why I'm writing it, too. (laughs) Thank you so much for including us in your podcast. Thank you. We're like so honored and I'm really excited for you. And I can't wait to listen to this and and read your book. And (laughs) thank you so much, Emily. That's wonderful. Thank you for what you're doing. It's wonderful. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So that's it, moms. That's the last bite for today. But in case you're hungry for more, head on over to the Mama Bites website. That's M-O-M-M-A, Mama Bites website, and stream more of our podcasts. Or find them anywhere that you find your podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play. And don't forget to stop by Instagram. And definitely come on by our Facebook group, the Mama Bites Lunch Table. We'd love to have you there. And until we meet again next time, remember, motherhood is a long journey. Don't forget to pack some snacks.